Mary's life was a simple life. For her, it was the most simple and humble life possible. Life in the little village of Nazareth was all she had ever known, but it was home. Mary was an ordinary girl. Nothing much ever happened to her that was exciting or adventurous. The biggest thing going on in her life was that Mary, a teenager, was soon to wed a good man in her village. He was quite a bit older than her, but that wasn't anything unusual. His name was Joseph, Joseph the son of Heli. He was a good man, highly regarded in the town of Nazareth. Joseph was a carpenter by trade. He was also a devoted follower of Yahweh, and Mary was glad her parents had chosen such a man for her to marry. Her faith in God was very important to her, and she was glad that it was important to Joseph also. To her, faith was the most important thing that she had. Now, we Americans think that people need to fall in love in order to have a good marriage. But in Mary's culture, the parents arranged marriages for their children. Perhaps this was a more sensible and logical approach than the one we take. Although the parents still had to trust God to show them which match was best for their children. Mary was betrothed to Joseph, and the wedding date had been set. And in their Jewish culture, it was as if they were already married legally, but their relationship was totally honorable and pure. She had only spoken with Joseph privately a few times, and the thing she remembered most was that he was so kind. She loved that about him, for a strong man, a hard worker, a man with calluses as thick as leather. Joseph was so kind. Mary had dreams of doing big things for God. She longed to do something of importance and significance for God, but she wondered how that could ever happen here in Nazareth. So as she performed her daily chores and waited for the day that she would become Joseph's wife, she resigned herself to the fact that her life would always be the most simple life possible. And then it happened. Suddenly, the angel Gabriel appeared to her with the most disturbing and yet the most amazing news ever. She had been chosen by God to become the mother of the Messiah. She couldn't believe what she was hearing. And so I wonder this morning, can we get past all the things that are part of our normal Christmas experience, all of the distractions, all of the things that maybe are weighing in our minds even now, and put ourselves in Mary's place this morning? Can we even imagine the range of emotions that must have been felt by her in this moment? So let's read from Luke's gospel together, starting in Luke chapter 1 and verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom 
will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Can we even begin to imagine what Mary felt at this moment? First, she was shocked, of course. Luke says it this way, she was greatly troubled by Gabriel's sudden appearance. That's pretty much everyone's reaction when they see an angel, right? But it was more than that. Mary, who was also confused and astounded by Gabriel's greeting, she couldn't believe her ears as well as her eyes. What was it the angel said? Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary thought to herself, I, I am highly favored? Why? How, how could I be highly favored? How acutely aware most of us are of the sin in our lives, our shortcomings. If an angel ever said to us, you are highly favored of God, we would be shocked also, wouldn't we? But God had good reasons for favoring Mary. Gabriel assured Mary that she was safe in his presence, and then he repeated that she was indeed favored by God, for she had found favor with him through her faith and the way she lived her life. God had noticed her high regard for God, so he chose her to be the mother of his son, Jesus. Now, please understand, Mary was still very human, certainly not without sin. But God had taken notice of her among all the other women on earth. And he had singled her out for a unique and miraculous task. She was going to be the mother of the Son of God. How amazing is that? What were you saying, Mary, that you wanted to do something more, something big for God? <laughs> Did you ever imagine this was how God was going to answer your prayer? Of course not. What a task. What a, what a calling. What a privilege. What a burden to carry also. But of course, she didn't know that yet. Gabriel told Mary that her child's name was going to be Jesus. And Jesus means Jehovah saves, God saves. He told her that Jesus would very, be very great, the son of the most high, God. And that her son would become the greatest king Israel ever had. And his kingdom would never end. And Mary's only question was, how will this be since I'm a virgin? Now, that was a fair question, indeed. Everyone knows virgins don't have babies. But please note something else here. Take note of how her question is different than the question Zechariah had last week, as we read what the angel had said to the priest Zechariah. Remember, Gabriel told Zechariah that he and Elizabeth would have a child in their old age. And Zechariah asked, how can this be? Literally, he asked, how can I be sure of this? And then because of his doubt, the angel told Zechariah that he would be unable to speak until God's prophecy came to pass. So what's the difference in their questions? Did you catch it, perhaps? Notice that Mary did not ask, 
how can this be? She asked, how will this be? She trusted that what the angel was telling her was true, but she couldn't understand how this was going to happen. Both asked how, but Mary's question was spoken in faith, while Zechariah's question was spoken in doubt. Do you see the difference? How can this be is simply not the same as how will this be. And the difference is faith. Trusting God to make good on whatever he says is going to happen. That's where Mary was. Now, if you forget everything else I say this morning, don't forget this, that faith is trusting God to make good on whatever he has promised us. You hold on to that no matter what. This is the lesson that we need to learn, I think, this morning from Mary's song of trust. We don't always know how God will do what he says he's going to do, but we need to learn to live by faith. We need to have confidence in God that whatever he says will happen. Amen? Can you imagine the anxiety that Mary and Joseph faced when God told them that she was going to become pregnant before they were married? Can you imagine their feelings of embarrassment and the shame and the scorn that they expected to receive from the people of their village and maybe even from their own families? Mary had literally done nothing wrong to get pregnant. And yet she knew that nearly everyone would assume the worst about her. It's human nature. She could almost hear the town gossips. Now, did you hear about Mary? Miss Goody Two-Shoes? She got herself pregnant. She always pretended to be better than everyone else and always so holy. But look at her now. The other girls used to look up to her, but not anymore. You know how people can talk. Must have been hard to hold on to God's promises while these fears played over and over again in her head. So she deliberately, courageously decided to respond with faith. She put her trust in Almighty God. She decided to hold on to God and to trust Him for her future. So when the angel left, Mary had to decide what her next steps would be. She had to tell her parents, of course, what the angel Gabriel had declared to her. It wouldn't do any good to to put that off. She had to tell them that she would soon become pregnant. And probably even harder for them to grasp is that she would give birth to the Son of God, a fact that was still too fantastic to grasp and understand. She also had to somehow tell Joseph, her fiancé, what was going on. And we can believe that he had an even more difficult time than her parents accepting the news. That was a hard conversation, wasn't it? After a few days, on his own, Joseph decided that he should divorce her quietly. That's how he was going to respond. He couldn't go through with this marriage now, and he didn't want Mary to be hurt. He still loved her. And it was only then that Gabriel appeared also to Joseph to confirm that Mary had told the truth and that he should go ahead and marry her. Matthew tells us all about that in Matthew chapter 1. We don't read that here in Luke. Mary and her parents agreed that the best thing to do was for Mary to get out, was to get out of town for a while until her family and Joseph could uh, somehow uh, prepare themselves for the reactions of their neighbors and friends and family. She went to see her cousin Elizabeth and her husband Zechariah, and, and it ended up being three months before Mary returned home to Nazareth. Mary had important news to share with Elizabeth, whom Gabriel said was also miraculously expecting. And Mary looked forward to sharing 
her news with Elizabeth since her husband had also been visited by an angel. She would certainly understand Mary's news better than most. Luke tells us clearly what had happened the moment that Mary arrived at Elizabeth's house. So we're going to pick up this story again in Luke chapter 1, verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. It was an amazing moment in time. The mothers of Jesus and John the Baptist, one very young and one very old, were in the same room at the same time. Perhaps they didn't even know each other that well. But now God had brought them together to be part of the greatest story on earth, the story of Jesus and our salvation. It was an amazing moment, a divine moment, a moment I'm sure that was not wasted on these two servants of God. And without any previous knowledge of Mary's news, Elizabeth summed things up rather well, don't you think? (laughs) Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the child you will bear. Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Blessed is she who has believed what the Lord told her was going to happen. And filled with the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth broke into this ecstatic utterance of praise as soon as Mary stepped across the threshold of her home. Then Luke tells us Mary's response. It was her song in the darkness, her song of trust, we've called it. It was a song reaching far beyond what most of us could even sing, especially, I think, when we were teenagers. Now, I think about her, how did she even say this? How did she say these words, come up with this when she was just a teenager? Some Bible commentators say that Mary must have studied the Old Testament thoroughly in order to come up with the things that she said in the Magnificat, this song of praise. On the other hand, she may have simply been filled with the Holy Spirit, like Elizabeth was in this moment. What do you think? Here is Mary's response, verse 46. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. And then Luke tells us Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. The magnificence and the magnitude of what God was doing received, I think, full expression in Mary's words. All generations are going to call me blessed. God has done great things. His mercy extends to everyone who fears him. 
He is remembered, she said, to be merciful to Abraham and to his descendants forever, just as he promised. Now, we're amazed at Mary's maturity, I guess. But even more, we were amazed at her ability to accept something that seemed impossible. Here is the bottom line. She trusted God to keep his promises to do what he said he would do. And so she hung on to that and the future that she had in him. Trust is the issue that is before us. It was Mary's issue. It is still our issue today. Do we trust God no matter what? Now, you can answer for yourself. I can answer for myself. But do we trust God no matter what? Is our trust conditional? Is our trust predicated on what's happening in our circumstances? Or is it something that we give no matter what to our God? Mary and Joseph had already been living by faith. God knew that because God knew exactly what was in their hearts. He saw in them strong believers to whom he could entrust his son's care and upbringing. They were people who trusted in God, not in themselves. That was obvious. They were humble people living in a small village on the edge of Israel. And yet they knew they served a big God, an awesome God. And they knew that they could trust him to do whatever he said he would do. And so the story of Jesus on earth begins here with this very humble couple in Nazareth of all places. Facing an unwed pregnancy was only the first of many challenges Mary would face in her life. Challenges came to her over and over again. We read the story of Jesus. Challenges to her ability to trust God for the ups and downs of her life. After facing the ridicule of her hometown, Mary and Joseph had to travel to Bethlehem 90 miles away just as she was about ready to give birth to her child. They had to keep trusting God when at 12 years old, Jesus began to say that he needed to be about his father's business. And he wasn't talking about Joseph. We can't even imagine what it must have been like for, for Mary once Jesus started his earthly ministry and everyone was clamoring for his attention. Twice she and her brothers and his brothers tried to get him to come home just to you know, give this all up and come back home. And then as the tide of public opinion suddenly turns against Jesus, what did Mary feel? As her son began facing the opposition of so many people, powerful people, by this time her husband was gone, and she watched as Jesus' popularity turned to ridicule and, and then to outright attacks by the rulers of their day. And eventually, Mary watched her son, the Son of God, die on a Roman cross outside the walls of Jerusalem. How could she trust God when her whole world was falling apart? How could she trust God when her perfect son was murdered by corrupt politicians? She did it because she trusted God to make good on whatever he says is going to happen. She saw it through to the end. Do we trust God like Mary did, even when our immediate future is uncertain? Good question for us today. The challenge to trust God is a challenge that we will all face, and we will face it every day of our lives. Can we trust him with our safety and health? Can we trust him with our children 
Can we trust him with our jobs and our physical needs? Can we trust him to provide the wisdom we need to live in this pandemic? Can we trust him to accomplish his will, even if the people we didn't vote for become the leaders of our nation in 2021? Can we trust him when public opinion may turn against us and when we may be persecuted for our faith one day? These kinds of challenges to our faith will be there the rest of our lives. What are we going to do about them? At the beginning, we would say Mary's fears were well-founded. The angel's words turned her life upside down. She had no idea how everything God would work it out. But she put her confidence in God that somehow he would. Gabriel's first words to Mary were these. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Can we focus on those words this morning? Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. In spite of all her uncertainties, she knew that God would be with her. God would help her. God would give her the strength, the courage that she needed to face anything. And she was right. God was with her all the way from start to finish. The same Lord is making the same promise to you today. That if you're in Christ, he says, greetings, you who are highly favored. You who are the object of my love, God says. You who are in my family, who are followers of my son Jesus, you are highly favored. The Lord will be with you. Hebrews 13.5 says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. That is a promise from God that we can take to the bank. Mary's story teaches us that no matter what problems we face, the Lord will be with us if we belong to him. Whatever problems you are facing right now, whatever worries and fears are trying to creep into your heart, even this moment, if you know Jesus, just hold on to him and his promises and see it through. No matter what you're going through this morning, the Lord is with you today. We can always trust God to do whatever he says he's going to do. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your trustworthiness. We thank you that you have never failed. You have never broken those promises that you've made to countless people in the past. And we can trust that you will never break your promises to us. We thank you for the grace you've given us in Christ. We did not deserve the relationship we have with you, but we want to enjoy it. We want to embrace it. We want to walk in faith. We want to live in trust and confidence, knowing that you will be with us through thick and thin. You will be there through ups and downs. You will be there no matter what we will face in this life and take us safely through to the next. We thank you for the promises you have made us in Jesus Christ. We thank you for uh, the relationship we have with you. And we pray that you would strengthen us and you would uh, give us the confidence and the boldness that we need to have in you. That whatever happens, you are our way maker. Thank you today for uh, the word that you've spoken to us through Mary and her example. Pray that we'll be encouraged in our faith and it will make a difference in how we live. From this moment on, we pray in Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. We're going to